Now turn with me this morning in your Bible to Psalm 67. From we have finished our exposition of the book of Philippians, I have been uh, working on a series of messages on the prophecy of Daniel. And um, I'm, of course, itching to get preaching those messages. And I've been looking to the Lord. And for the past few weeks, as you know, we have been just preaching what I would call miscellaneously. That, that is, looking to the Lord for a message, a text of Scripture to impress in my heart and mind, which I believe the Lord would want me to bring to this congregation. And once again, the Lord has given me a portion of scripture that I believe this morning is very applicable. So let's read together Psalm 67. It's only seven verses. If you find the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. Remember, we're reading from the authorized version. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously. And govern the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen. We pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Now, my theme today is entitled... God's blessing of his church is linked to the blessing of the country. Or to put it another way, the best hope of the world lies in the spiritual health of the church. Psalm 67 has been described as a missionary psalm, a worldwide missionary psalm. Many people think and feel that the Old Testament is really limited to the people of Israel and the rest of the world in the eyes and mind of God counts for nothing. Now that's not true. If you read and understand God's Abrahamic promise in the fullness of its scope over there in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3, Ultimately, you would have to think of the good news of Jesus Christ because the seed of Abraham is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness of his person and work and his gospel going out into all the world. This was an Old Testament missionary psalm for the church. 
a missionary psalm pleading for mercy from God to bless us? A missionary psalm for God to shine his face upon us? For what reason? That his way may be known upon earth and his saving health among all nations. That all the people of the earth would be glad. That they would know God. That they would enjoy God's salvation. That they would experience God's power and Noah's judgment and Noah's rule. And in that light, Psalm 67 is amazing. It's remarkable. Why? Because often uh, the thought of missionary work starts with the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yet here it is in the Old Testament. If and when the church of God is truly blessed and enjoying and experiencing the power and glory of God, then God's name, God's power, God's judgment, God's rule is known and experienced among many peoples of the earth. Now I want to add this morning there is indeed a prophetical aspect to this psalm. It does find its ultimate fulfillment in the second coming of Jesus Christ when the Lord Jesus returns in power and glory to set up his kingdom upon this earth. We have to think of the verse um, four, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. See. Now, we're not thinking of the political or prophetical aspect of it today. We're thinking of the practical aspect. And as this psalm came to me through the week, thinking about the word health, I was thinking really about Rosie's mother's health and looking up the word health in the Bible, there were three things came to mind. First of all, the prayer that's being requested. Look carefully. The psalmist is addressing God. Think of the first word, God. The living and the true God. Elohim, meaning creator and maker of the entire universe. Maker of heaven and earth and all that is therein. And what does he ask Elohim for? Look at it. There's three parts to this prayer. God be merciful unto us. That's the first petition. Do you see that? And to me, that's the urgent need of the godly today. Here was an urgent need. Here was a cry for mercy. Mercy, of course, is one of the perfections of God's character, one of his attributes. I, I believe that God's mercy is rooted and linked to God's love. Mercy proceeds from God's love. If the Bible says God is love, it also says that our God is merciful. Teaches that he's plenteous in mercy. He's rich in mercy. His mercy endureth forever. The Bible speaks of tender mercy. I think of Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David was a backslider. He'd been out of fellowship with God for 11 months when he cried that prayer. And that mercy needs to be appreciated today. 
And also it needs to be appropriated by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice where the psalmist starts. God be merciful unto us. Could I ask the question this morning? Do I appreciate the mercy of God? Do you appreciate the mercy of God? Have you grasped and considered what a great thing mercy is? You see, I believe this morning that us, every true believer in Northern Ireland, stands daily in need of mercy from the Lord. And I believe that every congregation, this congregation, every true local church needs mercy from the Lord on a daily basis. And that's what the Free Presbyterian Church needs this morning. Mercy from God. Notice it starts with God, or it starts with the church, us, individually and, 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 and corporately and congregationally. But many, see, many are asking today, what's wrong with the country? We had a track one time, what's wrong with Great Britain? And see, many start with the symptoms. Brexit. Boris Johnson's fault, the Prime Minister. Many blame the influence of Hollywood, the films. They blame the internet and the use of it or the misuse of it. They blame things environmentally and educationally. But, but I want to tell you, folks, those are not the root cause. The root cause of the breakdown of society is the absence of the mercy of God in our hearts and lives. The absence of mercy to exercise ourselves unto godliness, to live for God, to be loyal to God, to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Now you've all heard it, some Christian he is. <laughs> if that's what a Christian is, I want nothing to do with it. Look at what they're doing. Listen to what they're saying. Look at what they're, look at what they're wearing. Mr. McLaughlin, speaking to a man the other day and we're having a wee chat about Christianity and he said, there's Christians and there's Christians. Aye, and there's Christians. Rosie was speaking to another woman and they were talking about being saved and being a Christian. And this woman made the awful confession. I haven't fully got my head around it. I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but not in the free Presbyterian way. I was thinking that. You, you see, there's many who call themselves Christians, but they have no biblical view of sin, not even their own sin. They, they, they have no biblical understanding of repentance, being, being sorry enough to quit their sin. They, they, they have no understanding of God's salvation. Because remember the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, a verse that I've latched on. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Could I ask this morning, what do you and I think that we need the most? What is my greatest need? What's your greatest need? Well, here's the answer. God, be merciful to us. You see, it's not for us to start to do something for God. Now, that's important. We have a duty and responsibility to do something for God. But it doesn't start with us doing something for God. It starts 
with God doing something for us. And what does he do for us? He bestows mercy upon us. You see, when I read these words, folks, this was a prayer for brokenness. This was a prayer of true confession. This was a prayer of the psalmist realizing what he was a great sinner before God and he stood in need of mercy. This was a prayer with old-fashioned honesty before God. I need mercy. I, I need to be clean. I need to know and enjoy the blood applied. I need to know and enjoy the power of God. So here's an honest confession with contrition. There's, a, there's a, 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 a concept of repentance behind these words. Aren't we so often full of self? Aren't we so often full of pride? Pride of faith? Pride of race? Pride of grace? But the truth is, none of us have anything to be proud about. Oh, we can be pleased and happy and joyful. But we're nothing apart from the grace of God. We're nothing without the mercy of God. And let's realize that apart from the mercy of God, we have no hope individually or corporately. And apart from the mercy of God, we're lost and condemned. And here is good news. God is merciful. God's mercy can be appropriated by faith through your Lord Jesus Christ. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It starts with mercy. Dealing with the inside. Dealing with the heart. Dealing with the core issue. Our sinfulness before God. And an honest, humble confession that we stand in need of mercy. And you know, that's the urgent need of the godly. That's the urgent need of the godly, godless. Think of the prayer of the publican in the temple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Honestly and humbly before God. Got down your knees and cried out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Do you know you've got a soul this morning? Do you know... Deep down, consciously, you've sinned against the Lord and thought and word that you've broken his law. Do you know that you need to be saved this morning? Do you know that there's only one saviour of sinners, the Lord Jesus? And have you gone to him? Have you cried out to him in truthfulness and sincerity and genuine sorry for your sin and cried out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? Jesus said that man went home justified. And you can go home justified this afternoon but only by calling on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now look at the text. Notice something else. And bless us. You see, carried off FPC needs God to come and bless us today. Carried off FPC needs the vital experience of the power of God. And I believe when this church experiences the power of God, then the community will experience the power of God. Whenever the church experienced the power of God at Pentecost, what happened? The whole world was turned upside down. The whole of Asia heard and knew about Jesus Christ. See, this is really a prayer for a spiritual blessing. 
A prayer for spiritual fullness, for the power of God to be a felt reality. Remember Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 3, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the ultimate blessing. Oh, isn't that beyond material? And we have many material needs. To, to finish our whole building and car park, we probably need a couple of hundred thousand pounds. But what's that to God? We, we need a financial need. General account, the building fund account. The physical needs, my heart's heavy and burdened for those who are ill at this time. Including my own mother-in-law. But the ultimate blessing, folks, is spiritual. Be merciful unto us and do what? And, and, And bless us. It's not the history of the church, the early church. Did you know that by uh, AD 63, 64, 10% of the citizens of Rome were believed to be converted? Do you know that within decades of the commencement of the New Testament church, the entire Roman world was reeling from the impact of the power of God in the gospel? It's not the story of the Protestant Reformation, a, a, a thousand years of medieval darkness, And God saves one man, a monk by the name of Martin Luther. And and that one man, by the power of God, challenged power and grip on the world. And and he preached the just shall live by faith. And by the word of God, the monopoly and stranglehold of Roman Catholicism was overthrown. You see, when God sovereignly chooses to pour out his spirit, no power on earth can stop God. Isn't that true of the great revivals in the USA, United Kingdom? We need today a move of the Holy Ghost and power and blessing. We need God to come again because dark as England has returned. And in those days, in the 18th century, God took a young man, young men, and filled them with the Holy Ghost and saved their soul and sent them out to preach the gospel. He introduced England to George Whitfield and and John Wesley and and Jonathan Edwards. And what happened? There was the 18th century awakening and it shaped the course of the nation. You see, a church on fire touches the heathen. It doesn't begin with the world. God must first bless his church. People are asking, is there a future for the church? You know what the Bible says? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know that we could understand this morning God blesses the country through his church. And a healthy church means a healthy country. An unhealthy church, you have an unhealthy country. And I believed, you know, that God is going to bless his church. And this psalm mentions the word blessing a number of times. And it starts with mercy. God dealing with our sinfulness. We realizing that we're a bunch of hell-deserving sinners that needs the blessing of God and we deserve nothing from him. And we go to him and ask him. Remember what we read over there in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, I was struck with this again this week. We read there in Revelation chapter 3, God says to the church of the Laodiceans, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Isn't that interesting? Here's a church. We're rich. We're increased with goods. We don't need anything. 
We have got our fine buildings and they were focusing on their food that they were eating, the job, their buildings, their, 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 their fellowship, their lives of ease and luxury. And they were all saying, well, God is good. God is good to us. Thank you, Lord. But they were self-absorbed with that. And here's the head of the church comes and he says, you don't know your true state and condition. You're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. How does the Lord describe us? How does the Lord describe the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster this morning? Do do we not need the Lord to bless us, body, soul, and spirit? It's important that we, we, we have healthy bodies. And it's important that our spirit is found in fellowship with God. But it's equally important that our soul prospers. Because that's the most important blessing. Notice these words in the text, and I have to move on very quickly. And cause his face to shine upon us. Do you see that? The shining and the showing of God's face. Enjoying God's presence. God's power. God's provision. With all the approval of God himself. It's connected, I believe, to the ironic blessing in Numbers 6.24. 4 to 26, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Do we focus on knowing and enjoying the smile of God, seeing his face? Where we're saying like, David, keep me as the apple of thine eye. Keep me as the little man of thine eye because thine eye is upon me. See, see, that's the thought. Now that's the prayer That was being requested. Now, notice something else here, very quickly. The purpose that is recognized. Why did he want God to be merciful and God to bless and God make his face to shine? Notice verse 2. Look at the psalm now. You've got to understand this. That thy way, here's the reason, may be known upon earth thy saving health among all nations. Thy way, I believe, is a reference to the word of God, the will of God, the work of God, the the, the wonder of God. Thy saving health, I believe, is a reference to God's salvation. Think of the word saving health. Well, that has to do with the salvation of our precious souls. It's more than material. It's more than physical. It's more than financial. It's spiritual. And this morning, how do we see the world? You see, God sees a world of lost sinners. Do you see a world of lost sinners? He sees all types of creeds and classes. Children crying in the streets without God, without Christ and without hope. You see, the world sees itself very differently this morning. It sees class, working class. Thank God I'm working class. Many think they're middle class. Some are upper class. They see the world by color. They see the world by their own station in life. They think the world starts and ends with them, whether it's citizens of the United Kingdom or or, or even those that claim to be Irish citizens. Now, now listen to the Apostle Paul. Hear me out this morning. Do you know he said... We know no man after the flesh. 
He's saying, I refuse to look at men and to categorize men according to the flesh. I don't see their color. I don't see their creed. I don't see their station in life, whether they're rich or poor or educated or anything like that there. I don't see them as members of the Communist Party or, or someone who's an atheist or, or someone who uh, uh, belongs to Islam or Buddhism. I, I'm thinking of those that don't know God and that don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't love the Lord Jesus with all their heart. You see, we can't change a man's politic. We can't change his views on environmental or global issues. We need to think first about lost souls and see them as lost souls. How do men and women stand before God as lost souls without God and without Christ and without hope in this world? And there are only two classes of people, remember. And Christ is the great common denominator. There is a proper division in the Bible, those in Christ and those outside of Christ. In which are you? Those that knows the ways of God and those that are enjoying his saving health and those that don't. Remember what Paul says in the book of Colossians. We thought about it some weeks ago in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11. Remember what he says there? Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all you need. If you have Christ plus nothing, it equals everything. That's a great sum for you to think about. Oftentimes we think of the wickedness of men. We think of their vile, ungodly manifestations of sinfulness. And at times we're discouraged and overwhelmed And maybe even at times people want revenge for crimes that have been done. But let's ultimately think of the need of the nations of the world. And what do the nations of the world need? They need reached with the gospel. They need brought to the feet of Jehovah. And when God blesses his church and visits his church, then I believe it's an impact on the community. It has an impact on society. And I've been praying this week for this church. I've been praying for me. Lord, give me a vision of myself. Lord, give me a vision of a lost society. Give me a vision for souls. Give me a a, a vision of the Savior and salvation. Because that vision will produce a burden. Do we not believe in the worldwide success of the gospel? Is the gospel not the power of God unto salvation? Have we not a duty and responsibility to carry the gospel to the ends of the world? Have we not a duty and responsibility to start in our Jerusalem? To start here at home? Do we not need a fresh vision for souls and salvation and the Savior? And a fresh vision of society with all its wickedness? And a vision then of the service of God? Remember the Lord Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Why? Because it was lost. Because it was desolate. Because it refused to repent. Is our heart hard? Where are my tears for lost souls? Am I careless? Am I cold? Lord, am I carnally minded? Am I just sitting at ease in Zion? 
watching the community descend down into hell and care nothing for them? Am I so satisfied that I care little about the cause of Christ? You see, we must pray, Lord, save me from a cold heart, from a careless heart, from a carnal heart. It was F.B. Meyer that said, and he was a Baptist, God bless him. The church that's not a missionary church will be a missing church when Jesus comes. Think of that. Dr. Alan Kern says that one of the greatest hindrances to winning the lost is the true state and condition of the heart of individual Christians and of the church. You see, the level of our spiritual health, our personal walk with God, impacts on our attempt to reaching the heathen for Christ. And that's true about the lost in our family. That's true about the lost in our doorstep and beyond it. Here's God's purpose for the church. Here's the purpose that must be recognized. Lord, it's my duty. It's my responsibility. My calling. Now, I'm going to ask, what's our attitude this morning to a lost, wicked, sinful world? Do we desire that God's way would be known upon the earth and that his saving health would be enjoyed and experienced among all nations? You think about resurgent Roman Catholicism. Think about militant Islam. Think about the darkness of Buddhism, atheism, and all the rest. Let me tell you a little story before we wrap this up. In September 2001, and 9-11 had just happened, as you know, I was over in the United States of America, and there was a, a missionary conference there, and I wasn't at this missionary conference, it was uh, headed up by a man called John Piper. Now, I don't agree with everything John Piper says or does, and I want to make that clear. But he said this during the conference, now this was maybe just about a few months, I think, or a few weeks after 9-11 had taken place. You think of the mood in America, their view of militant Islam. And he asked this question, how many of America's bright and best young men will go now to closed Islamic countries and lay down their lives so that Muslims can come to Christ? See, he wasn't thinking of vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay he was thinking of their vision. What motivated them to spew out such hatred? To, to, to attempt mass murder? Well, it was the devil. It, it was their sin. It, it, it was their worldview. And what did they need? They needed Jesus Christ in the gospel. There was a man called Robert Louis Stevenson. I think he was to do with steam engines or steam trains. He had many doubts about God. Do you know, he went one time to a leper colony and he saw the sick. And he doubted even more. There can't be a God. Look at all this suffering. This is dreadful. I, I'm broken about this here. In fact, he was getting angry. Some months later, he, he was at a, a Christian missionary station. And he saw the Christians glowing with a love for Christ. And he heard their stories. How they'd left their home and their family and their job. And they had given it all up. And they were willing to go to this foreign land. And they were willing to die there if necessary for Christ. And some had already died. And he thought about them. How happy they were in Christ. 
And he was told, the Bible says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And glory to God, his doubts vanished. And he said from that day on, only a fool would deny the existence of God. You see, remember Stud said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Here's the purpose that's recognized. Not only the prayer, but the purpose. I want you to think in closing, and with this I'm through, the passion that is requested. God be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. You see, the psalmist brought into his mind a vision of God. He was thinking of God's greatness, God's glory, God's grace, and God's goodness. And that vision that he had of his, in his mind of God brought to a renewed burden. And he was thinking about a lost, perishing world. And he offers this prayer. God be merciful unto us. Do you know what he was saying? And bless us. Could, could I just finish this? Lord, forgive us. You see, we're saved this morning by the grace of God. But we're not really living and enjoying and experiencing the power of God. We're not enjoying the evident blessing of God the way we should. And we need to go to God and say, Lord, forgive us. Why are we not? Because of sin. But our iniquities have hid his face from us. The state and condition of our hearts. Our lack of humility, our lack of honesty with God. The free church needs to come to that place of honesty and humility and get down before God and cry, Lord, have mercy upon us. I and Lord fill us. Remember Paul's prayers we finish, that I might be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Do you know that has challenged me? I, I can't get that out of my head. What does that really mean? I've said, Lord. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That we might know and enjoy the power of the Holy Ghost. And oh, if we have the power of the Holy Ghost. Micah said, but I'm full of power with the Holy Ghost. What an impact it would have. What a difference it would make. The prayer meeting would be full. And you see all this spirit of covetousness and backbiting and fault fighting and, and carping and complaining among God's people that goes on. It would be out the window. Why? Because we wouldn't be focused in that. Our focus would be in the Lord. And here's the passion that's being requested. Not only the prayer that's being requested. Not only the purpose that's being recognized. But here's the passion that's required. Are we prepared to go to God and say, Lord, forgive us? Are we prepared to say, Lord, fill us? May God have mercy on us to this end. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for listening.